For many Christians, one of the hardest things to understand in the Bible is the account of the creation of earth found in the book of Genesis. Over the course of the next two episodes, Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben will analyze the text and provide further context and clarification on the six days that God formed the world. Let's join them now. Welcome back to When Fear Reigns. So glad to have you with us. I'm Ben Workentine, joined here by John Parlow, who's waving at everybody. If you can't see through the podcast, he's waving. Yeah, high. I still, I'm still a little, uh, I'm still working through this whole idea of a podcast. I can't, I never can find the camera. <laughs> no, it's it's here somewhere. I know it's here. I'm still looking. Uh, today we're digging into a deep question uh, with a lot of different facets and some pretty important truths to consider. So. Uh, it's actually going to be one longer episode that we're going to break up and release over a couple weeks. Hope you can stick around from uh, part one to part two. Uh, but I really want, I think this is a big question with a lot of a lot behind it, and I want to dig deep in it, and I don't want us to gloss over anything. So we're really going to dive in. All right, John, before we get into the question of creation and is it really young earth, uh, I got to hear your predictions for the Packers where this is releasing about a quarter of the way through the season. What do you think? I, I think you can take a, a Benjamin and put it down on the fact that they'll win at least one more game. Well, there you there go. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe if I'm going to get risky, two games. But in all actuality, I would believe that looking at their schedule and also currently looking at how quarterbacks are falling left and right and assuming that uh, Aaron Rodgers will stay healthy, which yeah. is an assumption, <laughs> I, I I believe the Packers will make the uh, the playoffs this year. Okay. All right. Which would be good for Green Bay and and, and good for the the cosmos in general. <laughs> oh, wrong episode. Sorry. Wrong episode. Wrong episode. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. That's your... The Star Trek episode's coming up? Okay. Oh, boy. That would really be something, wouldn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> Not unless Kirk and Spock are showing up because all the rest are just wannabe Star Trek. Yeah, that's true. Chris Pine. Don't need to get into that. All right. Um, so as we talk about creation, the origin of all things, we really want to dig into... Um, what are some of the theories out there? And I think I've got three, but maybe there's more. Uh, one is kind of that humanistic evolution, Big Bang theory. Everything started from the singularity, exploded out. Okay, so there's one. Another one is kind of a deistic evolution, or I would say that's kind of an old earth evolution. And then the third is young earth creation. Like I said, maybe I missed one, but would you kind of walk through those? Yeah, there's there's a couple of them out there. Yeah, and really they're iterations of each other. Um, you have one that's called the gap theory. Okay. And for our listeners, the gap theory is there's belief that there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 when God created and then the earth was around for a while, but then he created what we know as creation weekend starting in verse 2. Okay. You know, and so there's millions of years, maybe billions, depending on who you talk to between that time. Then there's theistic evolution, meaning... Okay. God used the theory or the process of evolution to create his world over a long period of time, millions and billions of years. There's the day-age theory. Are you familiar with that one, Ben? That's the idea that, well, when God talks about a day, it's really oh, long sure. period of time. And like they, an epoch. Or yeah, a, and they often yeah. use, or some people in, the, in this group would use, Second uh, Peter 3, I think it's verse 8, where it says, a day in the Lord's view is like a thousand years. They're taking yeah. stuff right out of its context because the yeah. Lord's just pointing out there that he's patient, yeah. unlike yeah. me and you. But he's got that. And then there's something new called today, progressive creation. Maybe it's not so new, but it's getting more and more play. And that's the idea that, okay, God created, and then 
well, he kind of destroyed or let it die. Then he, he, he progressed and he created again and it got better and then he okay. let it die and then he created again and he, uh, it's starting to become more and more. And it, that's just a very probably poor summary of that, but you can take a look at that yourself. So ultimately it's, okay, God did it by the power of his word in six 24 hour periods. God did it by the power of his word, but he used millions of years, which kind of works with what some people believe in the theory of evolution or God wasn't even in the process. It's from yeah. goo to the zoo to you, right? Nobody times nothing equals everything. That, that kind of okay. a, a Darwinist view. Yeah. So kind of help us get in the minds of, you know, if, if person A, person B, person C, we've got uh, the, the full evolution, Big Bang, person A, person B is that whatever form of God did it but took a long time. And then person C is, you know, six days, six 24-hour days. Help us to get in the minds. Why, do, why does person A think? What's what's compelling to the idea of this evolution, Big Bang evolution? I, I suppose for each person to be different, what was really compelling, what a lot of people do is they look at today's science and say, well, according to uh, the fossil record or according to the layers of sediment, uh, it measures to be, let's just pick out a number, many millions of years old. And based on that, they say, well, the world has to be millions of years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, the biblical account in Genesis can't really be 24-hour periods. It must be eons of time. And so they try to take their own Christian faith and their belief in that God's word is God's word and kind of mesh it with what they believe to be true in science. And and yet, I'm sure people listening that are in a science area will, will note this as well, that a lot of the measurements we use to determine how long something's been on this earth, those are at, sometimes are at best good guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, at sometimes they're just scientism in in practice. A, a good example is the different layers of rock and sediment. As far as I have been t- told and as far as I have read and studied over the years, what you see in the textbooks doesn't actually exist anywhere on this earth. That's mm-hmm. really a compilation of a number of things they've seen. And it's really part of that hypothesis that, well, if this is here and this is here and this is here and this is here, mm-hmm. this is how old it must be. Coupled with the fossil record, and oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, okay, in this layer of strata, this is, let's just throw out a number, 30 million years old, allegedly. Well, you go, well, okay, that strata is 30 million years old. Okay, how do you know that? Well, from the fossils in there, because mm-hmm. we believe there are 30 million. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of circular reasoning. That doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense. And then they'll use, well, how about, about carbon-14 dating mm-hmm. or carbon-12 or some of the carbon dating? Well, that's, again, up to about 50,000 years past that. You know, that's a guess as well. That's not as accurate as everyone thinks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear about the well-known times when they carbon dated a live animal or carbon dated a rock. They knew that was just whatever it was. And it was millions of years when actuality was like yeah. Yeah. a few hundred years. So uh, again, I think a lot of times scientism bleeds in and because people don't want to be seen as, hi, you just fell off the turnip truck yeah. and you actually believe that there's a God who created everything out of nothing. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you're not much of a scientist and we've got proof. And remember, it's still called a theory. Evolution is called a yeah. theory, not a fact. I think some of the, the numbers you see in textbooks today, ones I studied when I was first in science, uh, I can't be substantiated. Mm-hmm. They just, I figure they believe if I put in a textbook and I sell it for a lot of money, people will think it's true. Yeah. That's one thing. Another one is, I really hope that there's not a God. I hope there's a naturalistic uh, reason for mm-hmm. this earth because if there's a God, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, then there's going to be some kind of moral standard yeah. by which I'm going to be yeah. measured and there's going to be implications. And I don't want you telling me how yeah. to live my life. That's one of the things we certainly see in postmodernism and a relativistic truth where, 
well, what's right for you isn't right for me. But if God created us, then He has uh, He's got a little claim on yeah. how we live our lives. That's right. I don't I'll do as Huxley, right? Right. The famous right. atheist right. said, Absolutely. "I don't want God because I want to live my absolutely." Live my but life by my but he, you know, at least he was honest enough yeah. to admit that. And, and there have been other atheists that have said that as well. And maybe our listeners know of people who will say that when it comes right down to it, I don't want there to be a God mm-hmm. because then I'll feel guilty on top of all of my wrong choices. Then I got to deal with my guilt. And of course, Christianity says there's someone who dealt with your guilt, right. paid for your sin. That's Jesus. And uh, that's a great way for us to, to share the faith. So those are a couple reasons. Maybe others could be, um, I, I wasn't ever told about Christianity. Mm. I don't know anything but yeah. the evolutionary view of yeah. how we got here. So it's a, taught pretty early that, that oh, worldview is taught pretty early in schools. In public, absolutely. Yeah. That, oh, you're on this earth and it's millions of years old and it's 4.5 billion or the universe is 11 billion or whatever mm-hmm. number they have. When I was very little, I remember it started out not as old. And, and what happens is evolution continues to be seen by what we measure as not having verifiable truth or not a lot of it at all. You can interpret that. Uh, I, I think that what you find is, is they keep giving you more. Oh, it takes more time. We just need more time. And so they give you more time. And it's something I I said before too, and that is um, science really doesn't tell us anything. Mm -hmm. And the scientific community doesn't. Scientists do. And all that data has to be interpreted. And so if I'm looking and I'm going in with my presuppositions and I'm going into how this world came to be and I'm looking at the strata, I'm thinking right away to myself, well, there can't be a God. So I'm going to have to somehow explain how this happened over eons of time. Mm Now, from a Christian standpoint, for me, you know, I have a different explanation for that. But that's, that's, I, I just want to take a look at what we can measure in science and what's the most plausible and the most probable explanation mm-hmm. of how we got here. What does that point to? Which way does it point? To an uncaused first cause, God, mm-hmm. or to uh, something else? Something yeah. else, natural selection. I've been looking, re- listening a lot to uh, David Berlinski. Yeah. Who's, uh, yeah. He's an agnostic mathematician philosopher. Yeah, lives in France he, right now. He talks uh, pretty deeply, and sometimes I don't always keep up with what he's saying. But one of the one of the hallmarks of you know the stratification and the Earth's layers is this Cambrian explosion. He's really got some heavy criticism of the way that's been interpreted, which kind of leads me to my next question. You know, if you go and listen to David Berlinski, first of all, you're in for an hour conversation with somebody who thinks at a really high level. It's pretty intense. How do you? Because the narrative and the you know the textbooks, if you go to public school at any level, kind of propose this worldview of Big Bang and billions of years as fact without any alternatives, where do you go for credible alternative explanation or interpretation of the layers in the? I mean, obviously the Bible, right? Gives well, us yeah, there, there there are people out there in the intelligent design community and creationism, but. Even people who are honest agnostics will tell you, let me just give you a little something that I often quote when I get a chance to teach on this with David Berlinski, that agnostic physicist, as you said, right? He he said this, has anyone proved, has has anyone provided a proof of God's inexistence? Not even close. Has quantum cosmology explained the emergence of the universe or why it is here? Not even close. Have the sciences explained why our universe seems to be fine-tuned to allow for the existence of life? Not even close. Are physicists and biologists willing to believe in anything as long as it is not religious thought? Close enough. Has rationalism and moral thought, rationalism in moral thought provided us with an understanding of what is good, what is right, and what is moral? Not close enough. Has secularism in the terrible 20th century been a force for good? Not even close to being close. Mm-hmm. Is there a narrow or oppressive orthodoxy of thought and opinion within the sciences? Close enough. 
Does anyone in the sciences or in their philosophy justify the claim that religious belief is irrational? Not even in the ballpark. Is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt? Dead on. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a Christian saying that. No. That's David Berlinsky. And so I think you not only have to look into creationists and people who believe in the biblical account who are scientists, but even people who are agnostic who say, well, I really don't have a dog in this fight mm-hmm. when they're taking a an honest look at the layers. Now, from a Christian standpoint, we would say, okay, let's first of all talk about the fact that we believe in a worldwide flood, mm-hmm. where a worldwide flood would have an incredible impact yeah. on the layers and them being quickly uh, put down and the impact and how things would decay, all of that. You see, you're, I don't think you were even born, but in 1980, and I think it's May of 1980, yeah. you haven't born. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. In May of 1980, <laughs> uh, Mount St. Helen blew up. Yeah. And I remember that to this day. I remember reading about it in the history book. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I was, <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. Okay. I, I'm in college. All right. Anyways, I remember that that blew up. Okay. And and what it did is it created a 164th scale of the Grand Canyon in roughly a three-week period. Mm. Instantly, you had petrified forests. You had layers. You had you name it. You had it. Everything and and a big river as well. Mm. Everything that that atheistic and evolutionary scientists said, oh, it takes millions and billions of years, done in three weeks. And that's why you won't find that a lot in the science textbooks at all, because I believe it just points to the fact that what we were taught in the, with the layers on the earth and the flying climate. Yeah. It's, they're not going to play that. The other thing you have to understand is we as Christians believe that God made the world with the appearance of age. Mm. He created a, a tree and said, what's going to bear its fruit yeah. right away? The tree looked like it was probably more than one day old. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you cut it down, would you see rings? I don't know if God would have made it in that fashion to show with the appearance of age. Certainly Adam and Eve were created as adults, as adults yeah. able to procreate because God said, one of the things I want you to do is fill the earth. Okay, mm-hmm. um, You have to be an adult to be able to do that, reach puberty. So I don't doubt that uh, God also created the earth's crust with the appearance of age. And so can it look like it's millions of years old? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. doubt that at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's how we as Christians explain, okay, there's the layers. They're certainly there, but we believe that there was a worldwide flood that could have put that down quite rapidly in violent waters mm-hmm. with upheavals of dirt. And I was amazed at it. Many of the top of the mountains are made out of what? Ocean floor. Mm. Well, how does it get up there? And when you look at the fossils, sometimes you'll see a group of fossils from both prey and predators all huddled in the same cave, all dying in the same place. The highest cave as the waters continue to go up. So there's a lot of things you can take a look at. Mm-hmm. And we as Christians see that point to, they really point to a worldwide flood. Now, that being said, I think sometimes Christians, we get in trouble because we like to read too much into our own imagination mm-hmm. where we think, well, this is how the world was before the flood. Guess what? The Bible doesn't give us a lot Not of much, details. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really doesn't. talks about a firmament that God then drops water that drops for the flood. What does that look like? I don't know. There's some speculation, and I, I happen to kind of lean this way, that, well, there was a, an oxygen-rich atmosphere, which would account for some of the fossils we find of larger plant life, I mean, huge plant mm-hmm. life, that could also then feed large animals that would mm-hmm. feed on those plants. And also, an oxygen-rich atmosphere, I believe, slows down the aging process, which would account for people living longer. Then after the flood, what happens? No. The animals are wiped out except for the ones on the ark 
And now even if they were large, maybe they're babies on the ark, but they don't grow as large or they don't continue to grow down the line as large because you no longer have the same foliage. Mm-hmm. And the earth has changed and it's not as, as oxygen rich. And there's a lot of speculation. But as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't try to say too much that we think is for sure mm-hmm. about the world before the flood. Don't say more than Scripture does and usually yeah. you'll be all right. When I think too, the... the Jesus believe Jesus follower. I'm thinking of like a conversation between a atheistic evolution person and a, a Jesus follower. Jesus follower really is willing to admit, "Yep, I'm coming at this with a worldview. I've got a question: Where does the world come from? How was it made? And I've got a worldview already in place." Many times, as I listen to debates and talk to atheists who believe in in evolution billions of years old, they're unwilling to admit that, and they they almost come at it. No, this these are the facts, and I think that's that's part of where the disconnect and the tension comes from. One's willing to admit, the other one is not. Well, and, and then you can have a long discussion about uh, if anybody's ever read Darwin's book. He said one of the keys is you've got to find transitionary forms, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I would believe in micro evolution. Mm-hmm. And before the Adaptation. listener turns this off. Uh, understand it's yeah it's adaptation it's it's in other words okay uh if uh a bird's living in an area where the seeds are pretty tough over time he's going to grow a, a stronger bill in in which he could go ahead and break that or, or a beak and break that mm-hmm. as opposed to one that doesn't i mean that's but it's still the same bird it doesn't change into a lizard right it doesn't go from one species to the next yeah we believe things can adapt to their surroundings that's microevolution Macroevolution is one form becoming another over time, and evolutionary theory says that's millions of years, and yet the fossil record really doesn't show that. There are no undisputed uh, transitionary forms, and several of them have been considered hoaxes. One of the things I often had my students do years ago was go ahead and take a look at the alleged uh, whole tree of um, apes to man all the way through. You'll find many of those so-called uh, missing links mm-hmm. are still missing, and and they're really artists' renditions, great yeah. artists' yeah. license. Where we just got a, we simply got a tooth, mm-hmm. and we made a whole body out of this, out, yeah. or a bone, and we extrapolated everything out out of that. Even when it comes to dinosaur structures, we can we can we have dinosaur bones, and we can kind of see that, but that doesn't always tell us the color right. of the skin right. or what exactly that skin was like. And so there's a lot of artistic license out there being peddled as truth. And I think not only do Christians have to be careful about that, but so do non-Christians. And a lot of times Christians are blindsided by that, say, well, it's in the textbook. Yeah. It must be true. Yeah. And I think you notice that, at least I did. I was several years ago, I was able to visit the Smithsonian of Natural History. Yeah, I was there. I've which is there. beautiful. It's an awesome building and really interesting things to learn. You turn this corner and then you come to like the evolution of man and you get the Neanderthals and all that. And it's really noticeable. All of a sudden it becomes drawings. Over here, you've got this giant squid, you know, the, the the leg of a giant squid. You've got this, that, you know, butterflies on the wall. Over here, you've got artifacts and then... Or is a drawing and then in a very highly guarded box is a tooth. Yeah. But, and, and it just, it to me, it, it really stood out that the nature of the evidence pre- presented significantly changed. Yeah, I think if people do their own study on that, they'll find how amazing that there isn't evidence. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, again... I believe this, therefore anything I find is going to fit this narrative, yeah, yeah. even if it's absurd, mm-hmm. even if it's, it doesn't make any logical sense. But at that point, it becomes scientism, mm-hmm. and it's my belief system. I'd like to go back for a second on something you said just a minute ago, because I think you know, the, the discussion about creation and origin can seem very remote or inane, like who cares? <laughs> who cares how we got here? But it has implications 
And this is kind of what I want to talk about next, that the idea that you are a process of evolution, there's nothing special about you, you're going to pass, I mean, in the scope of billions of years, what are you, you're nothing, that had, especially as it really started to take hold in the 20th century, um, nation states and thought leaders. Well, communist governments. Right. And right. that's kind of what it, like, the, that, that kind of thinking led to, I mean, that's Stalin's thinking, that's Mao's thinking, that's Pol Pot's. Like these guys, this is the outcome of having that worldview. Well, let's just take a look at, at the four things that you want to look for that you want every worldview or world religion to answer. And I believe Christianity obviously does the best job. And that's origin, meaning, morality, yep. and destiny. Yep. Origin we're talking about. Okay. And it impacts the other ones. If I do indeed believe that uh, I am nothing but mere chance, and then I'm molecules to man. Mm-hmm. And it's from a, you know, a primordial soup and I'm here and it's just survival of the fittest. Then I have a different view of life. And in fact, if I do believe in what you and I call or what evolutionary scientists call the survival of the fittest, I'm not going to value life mm-hmm. the same way a Jesus follower is saying, no, I'm a special creation. God made all of this creation and then he made man as the crown of his creation. Mm-hmm. And even after, and he said, I want you to use all of this creation to, to, for your benefit, but to my glory. And then even after the fall into sin, said, okay, you know, it's impacted by sin, but you could still use it. And it reminds you of who I am and my wisdom and so on. But you're still the crown of my creation. You have a soul. You're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Well, that suddenly, I don't look at you as if I can rip you off or if I can go ahead and use you for my benefit, because after all, survival of the fittest. And if that means I have to climb over you to get to the next Mm -hmm. strata in the Mm -hmm. business world, I will, as opposed to, you know what? Um. I look at you, I might disagree with you, but I know that you're a person Jesus died for too, Mm -hmm. that you've been created in God's image, that he's given you special gifts and a purpose on this earth. Well, suddenly your life has different meaning Mm -hmm. and you've got different purpose. And there's morality because Mm -hmm. I I always get amazed at people who believe in evolutionary science. doesn't mean that evolutionists and and atheists can't be moral. Mm -hmm. They can be very moral people. Now, I I would posit that they cannot objectively justify their moral standard mm-hmm. because it keeps shifting. You know, you can't say, what's well, it's a uh, majority rule. Well, or it's by cultures. What happens if two cultures don't agree? You know, you can mm-hmm. go down that road and we have before in this podcast. But it's the idea that if 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 something is true and and someone is valuable, you know, I, I've got morals. Mm-hmm. If I if it's just about me, I my morals only fit me. They don't really impact you. Whereas from a Jesus follower, I go, okay, there's a higher being. There's God himself. Yeah. He says, I'm to treat you in a certain way. Love my neighbor as myself. Rather than I'm going to run over my neighbor and eat him, so to speak, <laughs> if I need to, to get ahead. I, I, yeah. It does. It just impacts. And I think personally, that's a large problem in our society today mm-hmm. where suddenly life isn't really considered that important. Mm-hmm where I can kind of throw that away. Whether we're talking about slaughtering children in the womb yeah. through, hey, it's my right to do whatever I want with my body. Yeah. Boy, that's just, it, that's just sad. Or, uh, you know what? Grandma's kind of old. And old's, you know, what does that mean? Is it 70 now, 80 yeah. now? What is it for you? It, you know, you probably look at me, it's 60, right? <laughs> so you're looking at that. And so, well, let's just give her the hot shot. Yeah. Let's, let's give her the, take the blue pill, grandma, or the red pill, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're not going to value older people. You're going to only value those people who can give you some kind of benefit. So mm-hmm. I do think it has incredible implications, yeah. and that's just just touching the surface. Well, and I <clears throat> I recognize, you know, if you get in this conversation as a Jesus follower, somebody they're going to say, you know, the the millions that Stalin killed, millions that Mao killed, the uh, you know, those are 
those are the you're picking the worst examples and you're pinning them against the best. The problem I see is Stalin was extremely logical. That made sense. His purges made sense from a atheistic worldview. It's completely but, consistent. But that was in keeping with his worldview. Now, there have been Christians who have killed people yep. in the name of but Christianity, it, and that but, that, but that's not following the, that worldview, no, that worldview. Go religion. to the Crusades, right? right the right. classic example. I can show you where that doesn't follow. Absolutely. That was an abuse, right? I would Correct. say empirically, here's the passage. It is abuse. Slavery, another great example, race-based slavery. Christians can say, and Christians were the first to say, among the first in America to say, this is an abuse of God's word. It is not correct. Correct. We cannot do that. If you have the atheistic worldview, man, it's hard to, hard to justify standing against that, right? Or it might be a personal preference, but you can't say, here's our worldview. Well, a good example right now is in China, which is a communist country, and now their new prime minister or president yeah. or whatever he is, uh, right now is very anti-Christian, mm-hmm. vehemently so, and has no problem putting uh, Muslims, what, 3.5 million of them in a yeah. concentration camp up north in the mainland, and about 1 million to 1.5 million Christians there. Why? You know, if they threaten him or they don't care about human rights or that person doesn't have as much value as others do, that fits very much a godless mentality that says, well, God didn't put you here anyways. Yeah. Billions of years. Yeah, billions of years. What does your thing matter? What is your life? Absolutely. I think that matters a lot. Yeah. And I think we see the impact of that in our society. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for joining us on When Fear Reigns. Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben will conclude their conversation on the next episode. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss it.